I'm in the park and I was, um, I am still going for a walk and enjoying it. And then I got onto my Instagram stories and decided to do uh, a million posts <laughs> on um, my connection with nature and our connection to nature and growing up an empath. And then I thought, bloody hell, I've recorded about 50 videos. Um, I'm sure not everyone's going to want to flick through every single one, but I have so much to say. And then I thought, perfect time to come and record a podcast episode. So um, here we are in the middle of nature, um, having a little walk with my tiny doggy, Phoenix. And uh, there's so much I want to talk about in this episode, really. But um, I'm going to focus on two main topics nature and its amazing and incredible healing powers and the energies that it holds and also what it felt like growing up highly sensitive and I really wanted to touch um, touch on that subject because I know there's a lot of people that are highly sensitive and, and I was a super sensitive kid and I always saw it as such a negative trait to have and it was a burden and people used to say that it was a weakness and called it out as a weakness and I felt like it was a weakness and I felt so much all the time and I just didn't want to and so I want to talk about that because I know sometimes that that can feel really heavy for a lot of people and, and it can feel unwanted. Um, but really, over the last three years, or actually maybe even four years, but three years ago there was a pivotal moment where I was sat in reflection and it just came to me that actually being sensitive was one of the most beautiful gifts that I had been given. And so I want to talk about that a little bit more and also delve into the ways that as an empath, as somebody that is highly um, empathetic, highly sensitive, can feel what people are feeling and pick up energies, how we can still stay open and feel these because it's a gift, but also really protect our energy and be able to observe without absorbing everything. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, so when I was, when I was younger, I was always, uh, always felt quite connected to the divine, to spirituality. I grew up in a, um, non-religious family, even though background, um, of my family are Muslims. Um, so I grew up with some, obviously, understanding of God and um, I was going to say angels, but I don't know if we, yeah, angels, I obviously did pick that up from there. But from a very young age, um, any time I was sick, so I'm talking about from when I was around three or four, and I was really sick quite a lot as a child, which is what led me into natural healing and nutrition and Reiki and yoga and everything but um I was really sick a lot of the time so whenever I was I'd pray to God 
And I'd literally be like, please, God, please, you know, and I'd go on and I'd say all these prayers. And sometimes within half an hour, I'd feel so much better. So for me, that was my experience of my prayers being heard or something working. And without question or without any crazy beliefs inflicted on me, that was just my belief. That was my belief through my experience. And... So I continued to grow up talking to God and talking to angels as well. Um, And I, if you know me now, you know, I love working with angels, um, angel cards and angels. And I frequently call upon my guardian angels who I have felt the presence of... um, who I've seen in in visualizations and meditations and um, so yeah before you listen to that and think what the hell is she on about um, I will go I'll I'll go into a little bit more information so so I always kind of grew up believing this and um, and it it never caused me any harm to I never inflicted it on anybody else. I never, I never spoke to it, about it, actually, to anybody else. Um, sometimes when, as I was growing older, my experiences became more frequent or more odd to me, I would tell my mum. I had a dream, and I had a dream that these two angels came, and I went to bed with my back hurting. This is a true story. <clears throat> I think I was around 14, 13. I had a really bad backache, lower backache. And um, I went to bed and my whole dream was so vivid. And it was like these two little naughty angels um, that were somehow connected to me. They were not how I see my guardian angels now, but maybe, maybe that, you know, maybe it was, I'm not sure. But they were like these two naughty kind of more almost actually like pixies and they were running around causing havoc this is in my dream um and they came to me and it was it was the house that I was actually staying in at the moment at at that time and I was in Lebanon in Beirut with my mother and grandmother and um they came and they found me in this room and it was such a vivid dream and uh basically placed their hands on my lower back which is funny now, because actually understanding healing hands with Reiki and so many other practices makes total sense. But I didn't know any of that then, but I just basically placed their hands on my lower back, and then it was like this intense light and warmth was sent all around that area of my body. And when I woke up, my back ache was completely gone. So I was so confused and amazed and shocked so I woke up with it being such a vivid dream I I ran and I told my mum and she was also quite a big believer in connection to the divine and spirituality and so she was like to me yes you know the angels are with you or God loves you and so I was like gosh that's amazing (laughs) and um I spoke to my grandmother about it, actually, because my grandmother on my mother's side um, is probably the most religious in our family in that she prays and 
<clears throat> she um, passed on probably her whole life and um, she's very peaceful with it and I spoke to her about it and again she said well you know that's that's a beautiful dream and um, you know it's very lucky that you sense these things and um, you are loved and you know all these really nice things and so growing up believing in that um, you know my mum always used to say whenever things whenever whenever I'd managed to escape bad things bad situations especially at times I couldn't see it for instance in my you know later teenage years when I had boyfriends and we'd go through breakups and I'd think it was the end of my world and I'd be crying and it would be such a big loss and and my mum always used to sit and tell me she'd be like look at what could have happened as in if you had stayed with this person you know look at look at, look at this person basically and and you know god loves you he's protecting you is how is how she'd make me see it um not like oh you know don't worry this well she would say stuff like there's plenty more fish in the sea but she'd always say it in a way where it was like you know this wasn't meant to happen for you for a reason like god's looking out for you he has he has other plans for you he's protecting you and then you know months down the line a year down the line i'd look back and i think fuck yeah thank fuck i didn't stay in that one <laughs> and obviously at the time when you're grieving a loss it doesn't feel like that but i look back and i still look back now and i'm like wow <laughs> god really did protect me and save me from a lot of things because i could have i could have stayed in a situation till it probably would have gotten just really bad um and that was again a lot to do with me being highly sensitive but not not knowing how to practice healthy boundaries um so yeah so growing up highly sensitive i um i always felt energies really quickly as in i'd walk into a room i'd be able to feel a vibe i'd be like oh no not good vibes oh no you know that's not quite right or this is amazing um and it just it wasn't anything out of the norm for me it was just uh, for me it was like a huge common sense and i and i thought you know i just thought everybody sort of felt that way and could sense that um and so i again it was never really anything that i spoke about but i'd immediately when meeting people i'd um be instantly able to tell my intuition was so open I'd be able to t like sort of read a, a person straight away not not read and analyze but I'd sense their energy straight away this person's trustworthy this person isn't this person's great this person has a, a really beautiful vibe this this person's in pain you know and again it was just something that I didn't see strange or out of the norm and um so yeah so and and I I you know and I again I'd share this with my mother because she was so 
And this is a, like something, a quality of hers that I appreciate more and more every day now. Is my mother is so open-minded. She was always so great at listening. And she still is. Like, I, I tell her everything. Um, <laughs> she'll always listen. Even if it's the maddest shit in the whole wide world. Because she's one of the least judgmental people I know. Don't get me wrong, me and my mum have had our many, many differences, um, especially growing up, and a lot of my therapy was um, nurturing that, healing that relationship. But it's beautiful, because when you do do that, you really get to... um, You really get to actually appreciate the qualities of a parent rather than focus on all the negatives. And I'm, I'm making that a clear point, because I know at the time when I, you know, when I in my later teenage years and early 20s when I, you know, used to hear people always talk about their mother so lovingly or their parents so lovingly or their family. And, like, they really looked up to them and this she was my best friend and she is my best... And I used to be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Um, You know, why don't I have that? And I don't feel like that. I feel fucking angry. But I wasn't given the space to feel angry because it's like, no, that's your parent. You know, you can't disrespect your parent you can't um you know no matter what happened that's it you love your parents and you have no other voice around it and there's this guilt that comes with saying anything other than that but um I'm, I'm gonna leave that for another episode actually because it's a it's a, a very big one to me um and I'm sure there's a lot of people that may resonate with that. But so, yeah, so um, she was always the most non-judgmental. She was always the parent that we probably could go and speak to, or I felt like I could go and speak to about everything and anything, and I still do. So she was always very open to hearing this. And um, it almost became a bit of a game. Sometimes she'd be like, what did you feel about that person? Or what did you feel about this space? And you know like I'd tell her like oh no this person she'd be like yeah how did you know that and I'd be like I can just feel it um you know and then months would go by years would go by and something would happen and it would sort of confirm it or um so yeah um and then as I got older and older I'm talking like I'm 90 now I'm 29 but as I was kind of moving through my early 20s um I kind of well actually I I kind of disconnected from myself a lot in my late in my later teens and early 20s because I was going through so many different emotional things that I'd really disconnected from myself I'd really been distracted and my whole kind of world turned upside down um because of many different things going on and uh yeah, I was I was rebelling a lot and running away from myself a lot and running away from my emotions and feelings. And so um, there was a point where I totally switched off. Um, but then reconnecting to that when I started to see a therapist um, because I needed some seriously deep emotional healing work, I'd hit rock bottom, uh, had crippling anxiety and depression. And um, 
seeing a therapist at the age of, I think I started seeing her when I was 23, um, obviously completely changed my life. Um, she was amazing and she actually holds incredible intensive therapy retreats now called The Bridge. You can find her stuff at thebridge.events based in the UK and Somerset. Um, it's like a six-day intensive deep healing retreat. <laughs> I laugh because it's, it's beautiful and comfortable and, lo- and so loving and nurturing, so I've heard. I've never actually been. I've done work with her one-on-one for about five years, but I'm, I trust her work so much. Her name's Donna. But um, anyways, if anyone's interested in doing some deep emotional kind of trauma healing and wound healing I would definitely check out the bridge.events but yeah with her she really helped to uh, create the space for me to release and and let go and reconnect to myself and uh, upon reconnecting to myself I realized that I am highly sensitive and that not everybody feels the things the way I do and maybe because of it and because of my experiences growing up and in past lifetimes I came into this world quite sensitive and then my experience in this life kind of created this uh, created even more sensitivity because I felt pain I felt loss I felt loads of things that you know if you feel them you know how they feel for other people but instead of kind of healing myself through them from a young age I kind of just kept seeing it in other people because I'd be able to resonate I'd say oh I I know what that feels like I can feel it I can feel your pain and then I'd want to help them instead of help myself so um, (laughs) that led me to a lot of very destructive relationships obviously because I was so um so focused on wanting to find the um, the project. <laughs> My relationships were all like projects. I wanted to find the project that I could heal and help um, when really I was the one that needed healing and helping too. So our, our relationships are such massive reflections of, our, of ourselves. Everything in, in our external reality is essentially a mirror, a reflection of ourselves. Anything that we feel inside, we see outside. Um, and I wasn't aware of that then. So I just wanted to help and help and help and help and help. And then anyways, in the end, so I, I kind of took on this role of mother so much. And then in the end, I was just drained and exhausted and, again, unprotected. My energy was unprotected. I didn't have the... I forgot or I didn't know how to put up healthy boundaries. I was never taught that. So, um... So, yeah, so... Life went on this way for quite a little bit. And then, uh... Yeah, and then as I started to reconnect to myself, I I realized that, wow, I'm really highly sensitive. And I started to feel sad about it. And I started to be like, God, none of this would have ever happened if I hadn't gone through this, or if my parents had done this, or if I was given 
this kind of strength or that, you know, if I wasn't so sensitive and blah, 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 blah. And I used to feel like it was such a big weakness and I hated it. And, I, and, and so that's where my kind of defense also came in in my later teens as I became so shut down. Um, I didn't want to feel anymore but I was still attracting these destructive relationships because that won't go away. Shutting down won't turn all your problems away. You just feel them less. But by feeling them less, you then feel love less. You feel happiness less. And that's eventually what drove me to depression because I had accumulated these suppressed emotions. That's what led to anxiety. Anxiety is like an overwhelm of suppressed emotions. Whether it's sadness, anger, fear, my kind of defense mechanism was this really kind of cool facade of cool, I don't care. That was me as a teenager in my teenage years. Cool, I don't give a shit. You want to leave, leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, it actually makes like my stomach not a bit just re-saying that. Um, I thought that was really cool back then. I was like, yeah, I don't give a shit. (laughs) Little did I know, deep down, I obviously gave a shit, but I was so convinced by my own facade that I'd built up around me, by my own walls that I'd built up around me that I really believed I didn't give a shit. But really, and this is the the funniest thing, because I can also see and, and resonate with many clients or people that I meet who have that same sort of exterior of this shut down not willing to open up and they're like no no I don't care what do you mean I'm not upset I'm not down and I'm like okay and I just leave them to it because you can't force you can't force someone to feel something or um but I I recognize it and it really makes me giggle um so yeah I'd I'd that was my um defense and unfortunately as much as we think that that's protecting and blocking us it's not really we're whatever experience we've experienced is 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 sitting deep down in there and it's going to stay there until we see to it um it's like locking a child in a room and thinking that it's just going to go away that child is always going to be in that room and it's always going to want to cry for help or attention um so until we open up that room again and see to that child those feelings those experiences Uh, that child's always going to feel sadness and pain but once we see to that child and I'm saying and talking about the analogy of a child because essentially these wounds and these pains that we carry inside us are wounds and pains that we may have experienced in our childhood and this is our inner child inside of us it's still within us and it it wants to be seen and it wants to be loved and until we look at that um, we carry this pain with us and we may we may want to numb ourselves as much as possible but this pain will will stay there until we until we give it its space to release and be healed and and heal it with our own loving and nurturing so um yeah so This, um, I was going to say something and my mind's gone completely blank. So many thoughts to put out. 
So anyway, so, so that's obviously one great way that we can um, start to heal and, and lower our, our barriers and, and begin, the, begin to sort of reconnect to, to our sensitivity to feel because it's a gift. It's a very, very beautiful gift. And I think only around three or four years ago, I sat once in reflection and I I thought, you know, I was kind of looking back on everything and I was thinking, gosh, I, I feel so blessed to be able to work with people and, and create space for people to heal also the same way my therapist did, the same way many women in my life for me did when I was ready to kind of reconnect to myself and I I didn't make that decision in my mind like I was so aware of it I had no idea what was going on I just thought I'm fucking depressed I feel suicidal I need help um I was just desperate for any help and I didn't know where to go I didn't know where to look I um it was actually on a surprise visit from my nutritionist who came to the house and I had no idea she was coming and that's another thing with my cool facade that I used to put on was my pretend to be okay. So when I would speak to friends and family and they'd be like, hey, how are you? I'd be like, yeah, good. Yeah, everything's fine. That was me. Everything's fine. <laughs> Bye. And, then, <laughs> and deep down I was seriously hurting and so I'd spend weeks and weeks and weeks in my home. My family live in all different places at, at that point and still do in all different places. Um, my mum was travelling a lot, still does travel a lot, so I was kind of just, you know, unfound. You know, no one could could catch me out when I was in bed for weeks on end, not having shower change, um, smoking, drinking. And that's another thing, you know, with blocking. We, we will find anything to try and not feel emotion. So I was a huge weed smoker. Um, that was my escapism. That, that used to numb me. Anytime I'd get angry light a spliff anytime I'd feel sad light a spliff because it would just zone me out into another world and I'd escape um, but again I, I didn't see it like that at all um, so so yeah and then, and then I started to get crippling anxiety every time I smoked and I was like what's going on and I was so not wanting to believe that it was smoking that was doing that to me and I was like no and then it just got worse and worse and I was like right that's it it literally gets triggered every time I smoke that's like the universe that's divine intervention being like girl it is time to fucking change your shit (laughs) um see it because we ain't going away so um so yeah um so so yeah so I sat there and really started to appreciate the sensitivity and I and I thought you know if I hadn't been given this gift of being so open and experiencing everything that I experienced from a young age that made me who I am and how I am today, um, people say things like, you are not your past experiences. I'm not. <laughs> I don't have an attachment to them, but I'm, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I'm, I'm really glad with where it's brought me and I don't regret a single second of it. Sometimes I look back and I think, fucking hell, what an epic shithole to have gone through. But and now I'm like, wow, and, and look at now, you know? So if anything, it's 
a great reflection to look back on and be like, fucking hell, look, you know, look at where I'm at now. Like, what an epic difference. And, and um, so anyways, I sat there and I, and I started to actually say thanks to me being so sensitive and thanks to me having experienced so many things that allowed me to really empathize with, with other people and allows me to feel things because to feel things so greatly is such a blessing to not feel anything at all is so horrible and I only really came to feel that when I was in deep depression I was totally apathetic and that's when I knew it was a, a different feeling to just feeling down and destructive it was I was blocked I couldn't feel a single thing I couldn't feel down I couldn't feel up I couldn't feel happy I couldn't feel sad whereas usually if I was feeling sad I'd know that okay cool I can cry that's some form of a release at least I may not know what it is that's making me feel that way or I do a lot of the time I would it was something superficial that had just happened and I'd cry about it and I'd cry and I'd feel like, okay, I'm fine. But at this point, I just couldn't and I knew I needed a release. So I'd sit there and I'd think about anything sad that was, was happening and I was like, no, I'd, I don't feel it. It was the most horrible fucking feeling on planet Earth. And I know if you felt it, it's, it's, it's like... It's like not, it, you're not living... I just didn't feel like I was living. And that's when my kind of suicidal thoughts crept in. And I'd lay in bed and I'd look up and I had this railing to the side of my bed where I used to kind of hang these drapes. And I just thought, what would be the difference if I hung myself? Like, that's how numb I felt. Like, there's no difference to me right now between life and death, even though... I really had no idea what death was, but as in, it was just, what would be the difference? That's how numb I felt, and I would try and look at all the things that would usually make me feel happy, babies were one of them, I'd look at photos and videos, and I just couldn't crack a smile, couldn't eat, couldn't do anything, so... Being able to start to feel again, even though a lot of the healing work that I was doing through therapy was um, was uncovering a lot of pain, it was necessary because it was the only way that I was going to be able to feel happiness again, to feel love. And I know that that's a very big reason why a lot of people put off therapy and a lot of people are really scared to open up the doors to therapy. And I have to say, I have seen other therapists here and there, but I really, I really think I got, it was totally in my path to have met Donna because she worked for me so goddamn well. Um, she was everything that, I, you know, I just immediately I just thought therapy is the fucking best thing ever because she was so amazing. She is so amazing. Um, elements of deep healing and, and wound healing, but then elements of, you know, subtle touches of spirituality, but with serious groundedness, none of this woo-woo, airy-fairy. 
And she just created this space for me to be able to feel whatever it was that I was feeling from years ago. We'd bring them up again and I'd think, ah, that's interesting. I haven't thought about that in like 20 years and surely that can't be affecting me. But then I'd see that I was actually carrying all this pain. And as soon as she gave me the space to feel that pain, it all came flooding out. (laughs) And I didn't have to hide it because I wasn't being judged. I wasn't, you know, being attacked for it or, be, or, you know, a classic thing in my family was, oh, you're okay, don't worry, just get, you know, life goes on. Shutting it down in that way, like, no, you're fine, you're fine, life goes on. And so that didn't really allow space for us to process things and we didn't really talk about things as a family and when my parents got divorced, it was t- a totally unspoken of subject. Um, and I was 14 and it was kind of like, life goes on. You know, one day you come home and your dad, your mom's like, oh yeah, dad's left. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then in come the rebellion. <laughs> um, I remember initially, because my dad was quite strict, I was like, freedom! <laughs> you know, and I was like, yes, I get to go out and stay out and see friends and this and that and that without anybody telling me what to do. <laughs> because my mum was so the opposite and then actually I realised like six months in that I'd be coming home at the age of 15 at 7am just staying out with friends and doing stupid things and and I was like I'd come home and I'd be like no one's even asked where I am does anyone even care and then that felt really awful Um, so yeah the rebellion kind of kicked in when my parents got divorced and it's funny because then I started to get physically sick again I was always always quite a sick child but it started to creep up again then and my doctor used to say to me you know he used to take me into the room alone and my mum used to wait outside with my GP he was a much older man in his 80s and he'd be like how are you feeling you know with your parents divorce and we were so kind of blocked from it and it was so unspoken of in the family that I was like yeah I'm fine and he was like, you know, it's a very big thing. And I remember once, actually, he said that to me about the third time. And I think he was really trying to make me see that it's okay to feel with that. Um, but I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't access that at that time. And so, I, but I think around the third time it did, I started to kind of well up and I just thought, oh my God. And then I really quickly blocked it off. And I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> um... So, yeah. So, so, so from going from feeling totally numb and apathetic to finally feeling, even though it was um, uncovering a lot of pain and trauma, I didn't give a shit. It was the most elating and freeing feeling that I had ever felt in my life. To know that I was finally able to just feel, even if it was pain, I was like, hella fucking luya. But what's amazing is because it was healing stuff, the pain was very quickly followed by this beautiful release, like a, like a, a physical, mental, emotional release from my body. And that then created space for me to be able to fill it back in with love. So then Donna was teaching me a lot about self-loving 
and nurturing and, and doing the things that light me up and protecting away from the things that deplete me. And I literally had to write lists of the stuff. These are the things that totally fucking deplete me and these are the things that really fuel me. Let's try and do five of the things that fuel me every day and stay away from the shit stuff that makes me feel shit. Some of those were family members, some of those were friends, some of them, some of those things were foods, alcohol, drugs. I was never really a huge drug taker. I dibble dabbled and experimented, but like rarely. I was mainly just massively a pothead from the age of 17 to 21. I mean, morning till night. And then, and then when I stopped smoking because of the anxiety, I started heavily drinking instead, obviously. Just switch on to the, to the second thing that's a great anesthetist, a great numbing tool. Um, yeah. Uh, I, used to, I used to drink daily and think that that was normal, but then I also learned that addiction which is so much more common than we think was drinking like all day every day and like if you're an addict you have to be someone that's basically floored on alcohol morning till night and so I was like I don't have issues (laughs) I'm not an unhealthy um addict or alcoholic no way no fucking way in my mind no way um but in my desperation to get better when I was feeling really down and a few incidents happened when I was really drunk actually one of a, a really dark incident actually led me into I was basically passed out on the floor in some shit pub in East London and was seeing someone at the time who was just <laughs> turbulent um, funnily enough, me and this person are still in touch every now and again, maybe once or twice a year from a distance. And this person was really the reason why I ended up not drinking anymore. <laughs> um, you know, this person really kind of forced that to happen because it was so destructive. And something so destructive happened that night. And I remember specifically drinking to try and black out. And that's when I was like, something's wrong here. And the irony of that is, is that every time I was drinking to try and black out, I wouldn't. And usually I'd, you know, quite, not a, I was quite a lightweight. I was going to say I'm a lightweight now, of course, because I have one sip of wine now because I don't really drink and I'm like tipsy. Um, but again, we'll talk about addiction in another episode. But um, yeah, the irony was is that I, I just wasn't blacking out. And I wanted to not feel and I wanted to not think, but I was like, why am I so aware? I've had like 20 drinks and I'm still so aware of my surroundings. And then all of a sudden I woke up on the floor of this place and then it just, it all went kind of Pete Tong wrong from there. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, a lot kind of happened in the next few days to that. And this person was like, you, you should just not drink. And I thought, how rich coming from you. Sorry if you're listening to this, I won't mention your name, but he was heavily on drugs and um and alcohol and I just and but to an extreme and probably more on the drugs and I was like how rich coming from you that's you know I straight away it's so funny how we get defensive we look at the other person instead of us and I'm like like how dare you say that to me look at you you're a mess no, 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 no. you're crazy you're insane and he'd written me this whole long email 
I really don't think it suits for you to drink. You became like this. Did you know this? And I was like, you know, defensive. Again, that was another one of my my barriers was just being defensive. I'd be like, no, you're an idiot. Um, (laughs) And so I remember then like my friends were coming round and I was really down and everything was all kind of crazy and everyone was like, whoa, what the fuck happened? And everyone was kind of used to Lana and her crazy stories and it was quite an entertaining um, entertainment for a lot of <laughs> for a lot of people is like you did what oh my god and I used to love storytelling so I'd be like cool another story in the books <laughs> um, which I really love now like I, I I love that I've been through that and that I have stories to tell because boy do I have stories to tell um, and I'm always like I can't wait to tell my kids <laughs> now I'm like I still really want to tell my kids but I don't <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be really wise. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so my, my, um, so my sister at the time was there whilst I was reading aloud this email. And she said, you know, maybe he's right. And that's the only time it hit me that I was like, okay, what? She was like, you do get a bit crazy when you drink. And she was like, maybe he's right. Like, maybe, you know... Maybe just try stop drinking for a couple of weeks. And obviously when it's coming from a family member, my older sister, that hits home. That, that made me think, shit. Maybe there is something right in this. And so I took a vow to stop drinking. And obviously because I wasn't able to um, run away from everything and uh, numb myself from everything, I then that's that's when I started to it's like everything hit me in the face all these feelings that I'd been trying to hide from just slapped me in the face Uh, my friend groups changed isolated myself a lot more everything was changing around me and then that's when in come the anxiety and depression and then that's when it created the space to heal so yeah I'll do I'll do a separate episode on that because um there's a lot more to say with that but I, I ended up initially going to AA meetings because then I started to realize shit I've been using alcohol in a really unhealthy way and that's an addiction it's not so much about how much we drink it's the intention and so I stopped drinking for five years never had to explain myself but every time I'd go out and someone'd be like can I buy you a drink let's go for a drink I'd be like oh I don't drink they'd be like what wow that's amazing and I'd be like wow it's so crazy that people think that's such a huge achievement we really drink so much in our culture here in England and in most parts of the world but um yeah people would ask, oh how come and I'd just be like you know just doesn't suit me <laughs> um just doesn't serve me it really was not serving me in, in, in any good and so five years after, I decided, like, I really wanted a glass of wine with my family. We were away, I think, in Italy or Greece, and we were having dinner, and I was like, you know, my, I've changed a lot. I've grown. I've healed a lot. Still have a lot of healing to do, but my intention, that destructiveness to want to be drunk and get fucked and destructive has gone. So... I'll allow myself a glass of wine. And I did. And I was fine. And I remember it was the scariest thing ever, taking that first few sips of of red wine. And I was like, what's going to happen? And then um, I was like, cool, I'm fine. 
I had a bit of anxiety because I think I was like really scared of slipping back into something. Um, but then I just, I realized I didn't and I have control. And so anyways, separate episode, but, um, yeah. So, so with the, the freedom to be able to feel, even if it's sadness, even if it's pain, there is so much beauty to that because then we allow the freedom for happiness and joy and, and everything beautiful. So actually to feel is such a great gift. It is such a beautiful blessing. To be sensitive is such a beautiful gift and such a beautiful blessing. But I understand that sometimes it cannot work in our favor and we can absorb a lot and take on a lot of people's other stuff. And that's where healthy boundaries come into play. And that's what I was being taught so much of and still try and practice every single goddamn day. Healthy boundaries, saying no when you need to, putting you first, I realized was the biggest thing ever. Nurturing me first, because if, if I was, if my tank wasn't full, it wasn't full for anyone. And then it would drain me and get me sick. So I had to prioritize. I was like, you know what, me first. And it's so funny how we're made to believe that that's selfish, or at least I thought it was selfish. And then I realized this isn't fucking selfish. I'm just looking after myself and this feels fucking great. And everybody should. I got a lot of challenges with that because people were like, oh, you're so selfish. You always think about you. And, oh, you know, I'd say no to things and no to gatherings and no to birthdays. And people would be like, nah, nah, nah. and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you, 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 you. How about you ask me how the fuck I'm doing? <laughs> you didn't come to my birthday. You didn't, no, 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 You made me feel like shit. I understand that. But also you don't know what I'm feeling. Maybe take the time to actually ask me how I'm feeling. <laughs> you know? So anyways, I just stopped giving a shit to be honest and I made me my priority and it fucked me how much it worked in my favor and how much it's really helped me heal and grow as a human because I've realized that is self-love and it's doing the things that light us up every day to give back to us to refuel us even if that's taking 20 minutes a day where we just need to shut down from everything else around us, from family, from friends, from work, and just doing something that we love, whether it's sitting in silence, sitting in nature, reading a book, going for a dance, whatever it is. Find those things, make a list of what really light you up and do them. And write a list of the things that deplete you and stop. Because no one's forcing us but ourselves. We are the creators of our own reality. That, that power is in our hands. How we make our lives happen is entirely up to us. Situations might happen, experiences might happen that we c- cannot help. But how we react to them, how we deal with them, how we process them is entirely up to us. And that's a really beautiful way that we can protect ourselves is through self-loving, putting us first, prioritizing us. Because once we begin to nurture ourselves in the way that we need to and we start to recognize our worth and our self-love, we energetically, vibrationally can't attract anything less back. When we begin to heal the pains and the traumas, we start to energetically attract all of those things less in people, in situations, So however you view your external reality, take a look at your internal reality and just take a moment to see what it is that you're actually feeling inside that's making you feel 
this way on the outside. And another thing that I really like for protection is crystals and visualization. And evil eye, that's something that I've grown up with, um, evil eye jewelry. But predominantly, I like to wear hematite or black obsidian or black tourmaline. And all of these crystals are very protective stones. And obviously, with crystals, you really have to take care to cleanse them and program them. But um, if you read Judith Hall's book on crystals, it goes into a lot of detail about that. Um, but yeah, so, so wearing crystals has been really helpful for my protection, big time. Wearing a, a huge quartz crystal, a clear quartz crystal around my neck has really helped also protect my aura and it almost absorbs anything that no longer serves me and, and, and transmutes it out into positive energy. And, and that's, that's an intention I put into the crystal and that's something that we can do. And that's a, a really beautiful way that I love working with crystals, cleansing our energetic auras. If we do pick up things from other people because we are so highly sensitive um cleansing our energetic aura with a salt bath or a salt foot bath putting your um, feet in some warm water with some sea salt or doing that in a bath is really great grounding putting your feet into the bare earth in a garden or a green patch is really good it takes away any of the kind of unwanted energies and transmutes that um the electromagnetic fields of the earth also are very, very healing. Grounding, we can also do that in salt baths. And frankincense essential oil is very grounding. Um, the crystals, hematite, black obsidian, and black tourmaline are very grounding. And grounding is a way that we can really come back into ourselves and come back and reconnect to us and reconnect to the earth. So if we're feeling a bit lost and all over the place and in our heads, grounding is such an effective exercise. The more that we build these things, the more that we rebuild our connection to us and to our earth and to our self-love, the stronger our energetic aura becomes, the stronger we become. So the less we start to absorb things, the less we start to um, take on other people's shit. But um, yeah, the less we start to absorb other people's shit, and not but, and, um, and and in a way that we're not blocking ourselves. It's just protecting, it's healthy boundaries. We're not shutting down saying, I don't feel anything. Where I feel this, I can feel, but it's not mine. It's not my own, but I see you and I hear you and I feel you, but it's not my own. And so that's where also visualization, sometimes I sit there and just visualize this white light that surrounds me, like a protective, beautiful loving light and I literally will say out loud or in my head I am my own energy and you are yours I am protected here I am safe I allow anything in that is loving and light but I deflect anything that no longer serves me I deflect anything that is negative um, or not good and not, that, um, that's not to say that you know living this life means that never feeling bad things happen again oh, hell no it's ups and downs and that's life and that's amazing and because it's with it within those um of our own personal experiences there's there's lessons and everything there's lessons in everything we go through and that is our i believe our sole purpose is to work through these lessons to elevate our consciousness to the next life and the next life and the next life Many Lives, Many Masters is an excellent book if you want to look into 
if you want to read more about some a very interesting um a very interesting uh what's the word case history of a psychiatrist and his client going into past life regression therapy and the afterlife and soul purpose and many lives many masters by dr brian weiss w-e-i-s-s um so yeah these are little ways that we can protect ourselves nurturing nutrition for me is a huge part of that a part of that self-loving it's a huge part of my journey to self-loving because also the foods that we put in our bodies um it's 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 almost like it's it's what we think we're worthy of our, our, our bodies are worthy we are worthy of this health and of this optimal health and healing and so that's why i'm very careful with also not very careful but i make the decisions to eat healthy food because it makes me feel good it's like loving myself on a different level because again i used to destructively eat i didn't have any eating disorders or anything like that but it's in like i love food and it was like, but when I was destructive, it was like pizza and junk. And I was so unaware of what I was putting in my body. But now being aware of that, I'm like, okay, I want goodness for me and only goodness for me. It's like reconnecting to my self-worth. And wow, how my environment around me has changed. I lost loads of friends. Um, but my, my, my real friends are there. We may be very different, but I appreciate them for who they are. And we're always there for each other through whatever happens, even if we talk once a year. But then I made loads of new amazing friends and connections. So everything kind of changes as we begin to change ourselves. It's, it really is. We, you know, we want to see change in the world. We have to start from within. Um, so, yeah, this is my, these are my two cents for the day. <laughs> gone on for quite a long one but there are quite a few episodes that I um that I really want to record out of this one as well so I will be doing one on um on addiction and I and I will be doing one on uh relationships with our parents um but if you guys have any other suggestions for things that you want to hear please get in touch because sometimes I have these ideas and I forget to write them down they fly right over my head but if there's anything that you want to hear more of or any questions that you want to ask or any experiences that you want to share, please get in touch because I absolutely love that and I love connecting with you all and that's the purpose of this podcast is that we can create this conversation. We can talk about stuff that people don't really talk about. Um, And again, that's another way that we heal. So yeah, you can contact me. Go onto my website, lifespacehealing.com. Um, my email is on there and my Instagram handle is on there and whatever, however way you want to connect with me, please do. Um, it is, I think I'm about 20 minutes late to an appointment I was meant to go to, but it was an absolute pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I hope to, um, to hear from you guys soon and I hope you enjoyed that and found it helpful. Um, I will hopefully be back with another podcast. Uh, but sending you all an amazing loving day and uh, yeah I'm going to leave that again with my favourite track of the day